Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports editor Dan Diodano, along with our assistant sports editor, Will Kennedy. Um, a lot of college stuff going on, uh, and we had a big week of college things last week, uh, as well as the, the official finale of our high school fall, uh, fall season with the state swim meets on Saturday. Um, so will, I mean, let's start with the, the grand Valley football. That's kind of been the big push right now. They're in the playoffs. They're, they're playing, uh, against Ferris state in the rematch, uh, this week. But I mean, you were there Saturday, just what did you see, uh, from them that, that, uh, you know, could kind of give you a hint at what, what, uh, what might happen this week with Ferris state. Yeah, I mean, well, Ferris State's just a different animal than, than Linden, the one who they played. Ferris State's a different animal than any team they've played all season, except for, obviously, Ferris State, who they lost to by seven points uh, October 16th, I believe was the date. Um, but, no, uh, their, their game against Lindenwood, they won 20-3. Um, second week in a row, they didn't allow a touchdown um, to their opponent. Um, really, the defense carried the day. The, at halftime, uh, Lindenwood only had one first down, and it came with, like, a minute and a half left in the half. Um, ended up getting like 10 total first downs, um, kind of, uh, the uh, Grand Valley got up 20 to three and kind of, you know, uh, played, played some prevent and, and, and gave them stuff, uh, in front of them, didn't get anything by them. So, so the yards kind of racked up a little bit there, but the game was never really in doubt at that point. Um, defense played great, cost three turnovers. Uh, one turnover, uh, was right at the goal line. The, the, the Lindenwood receiver is about to reach the ball over and then Demonte McCurdy. Um, safety on Grand Valley freshman. He just like lowers his head right into the ball, pops it out. They recover running back 20 yards and get the ball and then kind of, kind of, um, you know, steady it out and, and just run clock. Um, after that game, game was really over for the most part. Uh, one big thing to look out for this week against Ferris is Cade Peterson, who is their, their quarterback. He hurt his uh, left shoulder during the game. He left right before halftime. Cal Edicott had to take over, um, move the offense, well enough. I mean, the offense was not blowing anything away, blowing anybody away this week. Um, but you know, he, he did good enough. Cade's status for this week is uncertain. It's sort of TBD. It was his non-throwing shoulder. So, I mean, if I were a betting man, I would say he'd probably be in it in the game this weekend, but I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. But, um, yeah, rematch of fair state is going to be a good one. Fair state's number one team in the country. Grand Valley's number five. Um, first game they played, like I said, Grand Valley won by seven, but in reality, Grand Valley, probably outplayed Ferris, um, I would say, even though they lost. Uh, but yeah, and, and if Grand Valley did win that game, they'd be the number one team in the country right now, and Ferris would be around five. So so there's a bit of a revenge factor uh, there for, for the guys. Um, yeah, overall, should should be a good game. Uh, it's up in Big Rapids Saturday. I believe it starts at 1 o'clock. So, you know, if uh, don't get enough football on a Thursday with, you know, the Lions and everything, but obviously the Egg Bowl is Thursday too, which is going to be a great college football game. Then Friday is a lot of college football on Saturdays. If you're not going to watch the game, um, watch Michigan get smacked by about 50 points. You can uh, go ahead and watch Grand <laughs> Valley uh, play a competitive game. For sure. For sure. So, and then obviously big for the Grand Valley defense. They've had two big defensive performances in a row that can't, can't be anything but promising heading into well, Ferris. Had, even, even before, I mean, Ever since the the Ferris game, their offense, Grand Valley's offense, has been a little iffy. Came on strong in the last two or three weeks, but but ever since the Ferris game, I mean, they've been limiting teams to, I think they've limited every team to under twenty points since the Ferris game. So I mean, they've they've had a fantastic defense all year. It just really showed out this past week, especially because the offense sort of sputtered with the, with the backup quarterback and everything. Right. They had two blocked sure. punts too. 
Right. That's like, yeah. that's like a, a, a low level thing, but most games you got two block punts and it's just like, wow, that's insane. But the defense played so well, that's sort of an afterthought. For sure. For sure. All right. And so you mentioned the game this weekend, um, Michigan versus Ohio State. Uh, yeah. Who knows? I mean, like, no, I. It's not. I, I was actually kind of hopeful that it would be decently close. Until I saw the Michigan State game against Ohio State. I mean, that was just such a yeah, that was just more demolishing. Like, yeah, I mean, was it 54-7 or something like that? 56-7. Um, yeah, and it was about 45-7 at half, 45 nothing at halftime. So, like, the game was over at that point. Um, yeah. I don't Unreal. think it would be that bad. Um, that game was just a horrible mismatch for the Spartans because Michigan State, like, this isn't even a hyperbole or an exaggeration. Coming into the game, they had the 130th ranked pass defense in the country which is worst last every school that plays division one fbs football was better than michigan state at pass defense right Um, and and that didn't change on saturday and ohio state has i don't know if it's overall the best pass offense but they have the best core of wide receivers um in the country by a, a country mile um so it was just a horrible horrible matchup um the thing I would be worried about the most of those machines, like, yeah, your, your corners and your defensive backs are, are better than Michigan state's. Um, I think uh, Mich- Michigan's always a team that likes to run the ball a lot. Um, Cade McNamara is not going to be a guy who's going to toss it all around unless he has to. Um, they held uh, Kenneth Walker to like 26 total rushing yards. Right. You have a son Haskins and Blake Quorum. Those two guys together don't make one Kenneth Walker. Right. So I would be worried if I was Michigan because you're not going to be able to move the ball much unless you got some crazy scheme that is up Jim Harbaugh's sleeve, which I don't think he has. Right. I mean, I feel like Michigan's only – I don't want to say only chance. I mean, it's a rivalry game and it's at home for them. But I I feel like they've got to do uh, something. Whenever these games are close, actually close, there's some kind of block punt – or punt return for a touchdown or some sort of play that can actually uh, like a momentum changer. Yeah. And they've, they've got to have a couple of those because if they don't, they're just going to, they're even if they play well, they'll lose 35, 21. Yeah. I mean, and that's is, if they play really well. The thing is, I mean, defensively, you got to get guys like, uh, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, he's got to get pressure to the quarterback. You got to get, you got to pressure CJ Shad because CJ Shad's a young dude. This is his first year playing. He's been fantastic. Um, he has the receivers to help him be fantastic. But, but if you can get pressure and make sure those guys like Chris Olave and Smith and Jigma and uh, Jigba on the on the outside can't really you know blow by their DBs, if you can get pressure. Then there's a chance. But I don't know if you're going to be able to get pressure consistently on that Ohio State offensive line. Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. It, 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 most most quarterbacks, if they need three seconds for a guy to get open, Ohio State needs one because their receivers are just that good. Yeah. Yeah, they've been very impressive. They've been very impressive. And Chris Olave has been at Ohio State since about 1918, it feels like. Um, <laughs> he's He has to have at least six doctorates by now because I remember watching from the sidelines, he torched Northwestern. I'm like, well, that dude's really good, and he's been there since then, and that was three years ago. I think he was a senior then. Um, right he was a freshman then but it just feels right like it, it just seems great. like it. there's always every every great team seems to have one player like that that seems to have been there for a long well, time now so. especially with COVID I mean there's there's dudes who are into their seventh season of college football right which is right hilarious yeah it's crazy I mean I feel like Hutchinson's been on Michigan's team for an awful long time and not just because I saw Chris Hutchinson play when I was a kid on yeah, Michigan's no. team he's been there for quite some time 
But no, the, the, the way Michigan's going to have any chances, Blake Quorum and Hassan Haskins have to get going. Kay McNamara is going to have to throw the ball a little bit more than he's probably comfortable with. Um, and, you know, Anthony Hutchinson, that defensive front is going to have to get pressure because that's, that's really the only chance they have. If those three things go as they should, as, as Michigan wants them to go, then they have a chance. It's not guaranteed. Then they have a chance. Right. Right. All right. Let's, before we move to college basketball, let's stick with football for a little bit. I was just because it's Thanksgiving week and it's the lions. Just what is your, uh, what's your percentage or like, how do you feel about their chances of winning a game this year? And if so, what are the chances of it being this week? I have to, who do they play this week? The bears. The bears. Well, uh, this is a good week to win it. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I've told you this a few times. I don't watch the NFL super a ton at all. Um, I maybe watch like one game a week, if that. Um, but I know Tim Boyle was their quarterback last week. Is he going to be the quarterback again this week? Or is, or is golf back? They haven't decided golf Gough, still, if, it's if still a TBD, but it looks like Dalton's going to be the starter for the bears. Yeah. His uh, fields out. If, 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 if it's a backup quarterback matchup between Andy Dalton and Tim Boyle, I'm going Andy Dalton all day. Um, yep. If it's a backup quarterback <laughs> matchup between anybody and Tim Boyle, I'm going, I'm going <laughs> the guy all day. Cause Tim Boyle, I, I don't, I, I know Tim Boyle from when he was in college and it wasn't great. I, right. I, I don't fully understand how he uh, got a convinced an NFL GM to give him a chance because he played at UConn, which is the dumpster of college football in the division one level. And he played like he threw like one touchdown and 13 interceptions at UConn. Yeah. I don't know why he's in the NFL. I mean, good for him for finessing that and getting his money. I respect <laughs> it. Don't fully understand how he convinced someone to take him though. Yeah. It's a, it's, Backup quarterbacks in the NFL, it's just interesting because it's a uh, who's this who might know the system, who might there's so many it's never like who's the 31st best quarterback in the NFL, you know what I mean? It's always kind of sense, yeah. Right, so, we so got Bears this week, that's like a solid chance, right? They, they play the Falcons, I'm pretty sure. I, that, I got that's it. That's the one I'm looking at that's like maybe. I mean, the, the Seahawks are obviously historically they're good in recent years, but they're pretty bad this year. Um, right. So that's another game they could win. I um, gotta think they'll win a game. So it's between this year. If if they don't win this week, basically just take a month off of watching the Lions, um, and then the day after Christmas they have a chance to beat the Falcons. And the following week, the first game of the 2022 year, um, they can beat the Seahawks, and then they play the Packers to wrap up the year. And uh, I mean, the Packers have been a little suspect lately, but I don't think they're gonna. Not gonna win in that one. So yeah, I I say I say if Goff starts. They, could, they, they, they win. I think they win. Um, I don't know if and that's win. not me being all, oh, it's Thanksgiving and it's the Lions. And, uh, you know, like, we're not talking about them being decent. We're talking about are they going to win a game? <laughs> and I think the answer is yes. I think and if win. they win this game, I say they beat the Falcons for sure. So maybe they win two games this year. Yeah, um, I don't – I wouldn't go out on a limb and say they win this week. Um, just because the quarterback situation's in flux. Right. I mean, if golf plays, I think they can win this game. I think they win this I game. I think they can but... win this game. I don't know if they will. Yeah. Um, I think they beat the Falcons. Um, I think they definitely beat the Falcons, and I think they have a chance against the Seahawks. Um, right. You don't, they don't want to get too good, though. You want to make sure you don't go winless, but you still want that first pick. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and that's a, a mess in itself. Next, well, well, next year's draft. I mean, if you get the first round pick, you're. I mean, you should be rocking with Jared Goff again next year because the quarterback class this year is is underwhelming at best. Right. Um, 
So right. even next year, it's kind of underwhelming, to be perfectly honest. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting how how they go about this. But they they actually, I thought, drafted decently last year. So, yeah. I mean, this uh, year, I which mean, is a first in my lifetime. I mean, even even looking at like if you're if you're getting hype for the draft and you're you're a, a Detroit Lions fan, it's like, okay, who's the clear consensus best player in college football this year? Nobody knows. The Heisman Nobody. race. Is Nobody so, knows. The Heisman race is so underwhelming this year. I mean, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State kind of put put a put a stamp down last week. He's right. probably the front runner right now. I would say he probably overtook Kenneth Walker. Right. But, it's kind of like it's 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 a it's it's a weird season. Um, if you could draft the Georgia defense as an entity, they right. could like roll out on the field <laughs> right. right now and beat right. NFL teams. They're so good, right? Um, yeah, so, yeah. We'll see. I feel like they'd have to go. They'd have to go offensive line at this point, just because yeah. of what's there. It's just such a boring. Well, no, you could get um Kayvon Thibodeau D line stud, um, who's a stud D end. Uh, which would be yeah, D line could be something too. Yeah, yeah, Thibodeau from 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 um from Oregon, or I don't know if he's draft eligible yet, but um obviously they drafted uh I don't know how to pronounce the name Sewell from from Oregon last year. His brother, Oregon, yeah, linebacker um from Oregon, he's a stud too. So they could you know those defensive guys from Oregon are are potential top high draft picks. I um, mean, get a corner, um Sauce Gardner from. It's Cincinnati. hard to see a corner go number one though. That's just hard. It is, but but you know, of course, I don't think that's ever happened. Ahmad Garner from Cincinnati, his nickname is Sauce. He uh, nice. He, he has he earned that nickname too. He's a senior this year, a junior, or a senior. He has played like two thousand or something coverage snaps. Has not given up a touchdown. He has four touchdowns himself and has not given up a single touchdown. And since starting as a true freshman, he's a stud. Wow. Um, that's crazy. And he's on obviously like the number four team in the country, so it's not like they're just playing uh, nobodies. Um, so yeah, and the college football playoff rankings come out tonight. Michigan State obviously is going to take a big drop. Um, yeah, I think I think Cincinnati will be in the top four. I think they'll stay in the top four uh, as long as they don't lose in their championship game next week to Houston. Um, right. So we could have a group of five team in the playoff. Right, which is I mean, usually those kind of games, it's still like uh, oh they got this, but Houston is good too. Houston's a very good team. Houston is a very good team especially offensively, but Cincinnati's strength is their defense. And, and coming into last week, Cincinnati looked a little suspect. They were playing SMU, who has a top 20 offense in the country, and they beat SMU like 45 to 14, and it wasn't that close. It was like 45 to nothing, and then everybody came out, and then they scored 14 random points. Right. So like Cincinnati's like – they were like a little suspect there, but they are back on track with authority now. Right. Right. So, they should close out the season strong this week and then have Houston uh, waiting for him in the title game, which is going to be a fantastic game that I'm very excited for. For sure. For sure. All right. I'll switch to college basketball or switch gears here. I mean, the whole basketball teams were in action. The women won uh, both games in their tournament and uh, the men beat Benedictine uh, on the road with Evan Thomas having a big game. Um, you know, the men are two and one. You know, I was wondering how this start was going to go. I mean, obviously, in the exhibition, they got, you know, thumped by Western pretty good. But the size difference obviously played into that. And anytime you go two of 16 from three to start the game, you're going to be behind. Um, but it seems like they're starting to figure out the offense a little bit. Three, three-point shooting was not good against Benedictine as well. Um, but they found other ways to do it. And it was free throw shooting was the big, uh, the big thing. They got to the line a ton. 
Um, I think they were like 26 to 28 from the free throw line or something like that. And in a close game, or it was close for a good chunk of the game, that's, that's a huge difference. And it shows that they can attack when the three is not working. Um, you know, and that was the thing. And, you know, uh, some opposing teams have been obviously focusing on Evan Thomas, who I think is as far as talent levels, the most talented player in the MIAA, or at least has been. Um, but he hasn't, you know, always had the, you know, offensive support. I mean, Hope's got some pretty good defensive players, uh, but this is, you know, he's the one that the teams focus on and that's how it's happened the first few games. And he broke out by doing the same thing. I think it was like 15 to 16 from the free throw line. Um, anytime your star players get to the free throw line 16 times in division three college, that's a lot. especially, you know, that's a, you know, that should be a recipe for success. So uh, it was good to see, uh, good to see hope utilize a different element of offense, attack the basket and draw those fouls. That's going to be huge when they get into MIAA play, because, uh, you know, a lot of the teams are very evenly matched. And if shooting, if three point shooting isn't falling, they're going to have to figure out different things. Now, granted when their shoot three point shooting is falling, that's huge because they got four, four guys in their starting, actually all five guys in their starting line can hit the three and four of them can hit it with regularity. Uh, so that can be a huge weapon for them. So, uh, but now if they figure out other plans, when uh, other things working, uh, that's going to be a good sign for them in the future. So a uh, big win for them over Benedictine. Uh, Will, how did the, how did the Hope women look this week? Uh, they played Baldwin Wallace, which was a ranked team um, yeah, and took care of business. I was at the Finlandia game, which was Friday night. Um, they won you know, pretty easily, um, 94-56, as you, you would expect. Um, then Saturday they played at the same time while I was at Grand Valley, so I didn't get to watch the game, but I looked at the box score and everything, obviously. And, and Baldwin Wallace was the first team they are playing that was like consistently good. Like Edgewood was a tournament team, and they smacked them. Um, a tournament team in, in 2019, last time the tournament was held, and they, and they smacked them pretty good. They won by uh, 45 points. Um, the Baldwin Wallace is coming in ranked the number 21 team in the country. Um, were undefeated coming into this game, had beaten Olivet by like 60 the night before. So it's like, okay, like this, this could be a competitive game. Nope, it wasn't. Hope won 83 55. Um, and it, based on what I read and, and, and what I saw, it, it wasn't that close. Hope led the entire way. Um, it was tied at zero zero and that's it. Um, hope literally led the entire game and that's, yeah, that, I mean, they, they, they took their foot off the gas a little bit. They, they obviously struggled, um, with Baldwin Wallace's defense a bit, only scoring 83 points when in the past they had scored 94, 94 at one Oh four. Um, so they're a little lower, but, uh, you know, it's early in the season, uh, playing a better opponent. I, I think you take a top 25 win by, by 30 points and whenever you can get it. Um, I mean, they're just looking uh, as, as good as, as advertised. Um, starters are playing well. First five off the bench, called them because of the chaos crew. I wrote a story about that last week. They, they really just, you know, they're, they're essentially another five starters who could start at virtually any other college in the country. Um, so there's really no let up when, 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 you know, the first group goes off the floor, it's just, you know, still there hammering and hammering and hammering. And even the third group, which is comprised of all freshmen and sophomores, like they're good. Um, need a little more experience, obviously, but like when they get in the game, they, they produce, which is wild. Um, but yeah, no, they, they play again tonight against Grace Christian. who's a solid team. They're, I think they're three and one, three and two. Um, they're not an NCAA team. They're like in the, uh, national college Christian athletic association or Christian right. college athletic association or something like that. Um, 
So I don't know what the competition likes at that level, but you know, they're a decent team. Um, I don't think hope will have any issues with them, but we'll see. Uh, that's why they play the game. Right. So I'll be there tonight at seven o'clock watching it. And given our Thanksgiving schedule and everything, you can read about it on Saturday, um, but you can read about it online as soon as the game ends. Right. For sure. Yeah. The, uh, the perils of being a print product during a holiday week now. Uh, yeah. We've got some interesting situations like that. So um, we didn't forget about things if you're worrying, if you're wondering this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, if you, yeah, if you're really, really, really wanting to know how the Lions did, I'm sure you watched it. So you don't need to read that the next day in the Sentinel because no. you will not because of our, our unfortunate deadlines um, on that game. So, um, but yeah, so we had high school finish up uh, officially the fall. Uh, with the state swim meets this week, um, Hong Christian took fourth uh, to get a team trophy. Top four get team trophies at uh, swimming and track meets. And uh, they got fourth, got the team trophy. They had a really big day. Um, it was, you know, they had put a few got people in the, uh, you know, in the finals. And their relays all did very well. They had two third-place relays. Um, East Grand Rapids ran away with the title, uh, but which was, a, which was totally expected. Uh, but Holland Christian had put together a really good meet. Uh, Megan Benjamin got uh, all state in multiple events, and uh, you know a few, quite a few other uh, swimmers got uh, got one and uh, one all state performance in there. Uh, very cool that uh, Piper Deckinger was a part of the first ever state meet that had a para race. Uh, they did a Paralympic 50 uh, freestyle, and she uh, there were two competitors in Division Three. They did it at all divisions. Um, and Piper won between head to head between the other person. Um, but just, just the fact that high school associations are recognizing that level, uh, of, of sport, uh, for, uh, for, for high school swimming is really a big deal, especially with as big of a deal as the Paralympics have become. I mean, I feel like they've always been a, a big deal in a way, but publicly it's becoming more of a mainstream big deal. Um, yeah. you know, the last, the last, you know, few, I guess probably the last two Paralympics have really, really taken off as far as viewership and interest uh, and that kind of thing. So uh, very cool that, uh, that she did that, that she was able to do that. And I mean, it's just amazing to me to watch a swimmer who was born without one of her arms, a f full, without one of her full arms um, swim, you know, faster than a lot of the other people in the pool. And that's yeah. just, it's just amazing to me. Um, so that was definitely a, a cool moment there. Um, Hamilton, West Ottawa, Zealand and Holland also competed at their, uh, uh, throughout the different divisions, uh, collectively as a team, the teams did okay. Um, you know, you we're used to, we're a little spoiled in this area. We're used to everybody finishing in the top 10 all the time. Um, uh, and that did not happen. I think Holland, I think West Ottawa got 12. Uh, they were the closest after Holland Christian and, uh, you know, a couple swims didn't go. The way of the teams and also uh, just less uh, less depth of of uh, elite swimmers with a we had a huge uh, graduating class of about, I don't know, probably 12 to 15 all state seniors from the area last year, uh, which is obviously a big, <laughs> a big chunk to lose all at once, including uh, state champions. So um, actually including two state champions. So it, it just was a little, little bit different, uh, you know, different kind of thing, but, uh, still the swimmers who participated swam very well and, uh, freshman Mackenzie Baldwin from, 
uh, West Ottawa was all state uh, in one of her events and uh, made it back to the B final in her other event. And Caitlin Inman, senior from Zealand, um, you know, scored pretty high in both in two events. So uh, there's definitely some moments there. Uh, but uh, you know, just uh, you know, good a good season with a little bit. It was almost like a like a small market season for our area in swimming, but, uh, but it was still a very good season. So, uh, the fall has officially ended in that regard and the girls basketball games start next week on Tuesday. So it's, uh, we're jumping right into the winter here and wrestling gets going and hockey's going and, uh, you know, everything gets moving next week, uh, except boys basketball. They start the following week. Uh, they kind of do that with, they, I think they take turns or they have taken turns at times, which team starts first. Uh, it's really so they can do the set the playoffs up and have the state finals be back to back weekends instead of all in the same weekend, which would be a nightmare. <laughs> so, uh, so the girls are first this this uh, next week. So, uh, but Will, I wanted to get your take on one more topic here while we're uh, it's a little timely now. The uh, let me let me say one more thing about high school sports before. Uh, yeah, absolutely. High school sports slash football. Uh, since we're kind of going off that, that Holland court Holland high school quarterback Zach Hoff has committed to Hope College. Um, he had a bunch of D3 looks, uh, and it was kind of speculated between, you know, Dan, myself, and, and other people who've watched him play. He's a very physical runner, um, good with the ball in his hands. Um, so I was thinking he might, you know, slide over to tight end or something in the college level. Uh, but Peter Thurzma said he's going to give him a chance to, uh, you know, uh, earn that quarterback spot before he does anything else. So he's going to be uh, trying to play a quarterback at the D3 level. So that's exciting for him. Um, for, for sure. Stud of a season, stud of a player. Really good kid too, so you know we're happy for him here. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting to see where, as you know, we get some more of those commitments, you know, throughout the year where some of the local players end up. Um, yeah, it's also just funny because obviously Hope plays their home games at Hope or Holland plays their home games at the Hope Stadium, uh, right. so he'll just you know keep playing there for eight years as opposed to just four. Right, right. Always a nice comfort level thing when people yeah, do that. Sure. So. Um, very cool. Sorry, yeah. what, what, no, what, it's okay. And we got, we'll have other commitments going. We had a couple of big 10 signees for gymnastics this week. Um, we've got, you know, that this will be kind of, you know, we've had some of the signing days where we've already expected some of the people and already reported on. So like Abby Wynn from Zealand West signed with Grand Valley for soccer, which we reported when she committed, um, you know, we had a few like that, um, uh, this week, but the, the more and more of those will start trickling in, um, you know, as people make their decisions, especially with some of the smaller, uh, the non D one level stuff, yeah. well, you know, that kind of trickles in all year at times. So, uh, but very exciting that we, you know, continue to have a lot of local kids, uh, you know, go different places. So, um, so, so will as a former college baseball player, yes. uh, I want to get your baseball. I mean, I know that's kind of my thing, but I want to get your perspective on this too. So uh, they just announced the official hall of fame ballot for this year. Uh, it is the final year on the ballot for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Sammy Sosa and Kurt Schilling. Um, we've got other uh, players who have PED suspicions that have been on there, like Andy Pettit and Alex Rodriguez and Big Poppy are on for the first time this this year as well, uh, plus uh, Gary Sheffield. So, you know, on paper, when you think about – Barry Bonds, if you're just thinking numbers, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, Alex Rodriguez, Big Poppy, Kurt Schilling, you know, whatever. This is one of the most amazing ballots by the numbers that, that yeah. has 
that's ever happened. There's like four or five guys that have 500 home runs on this ballot, uh, which is really never happens. Um, but there's suspicion about so many of these, these guys, what's your take on PEDs? I mean, there's, it's such a, uh, is there such an interesting gray area because there might, there's some people who have made the hall of fame who had some suspicions, but no proof. Yeah. I mean, like uh, Ivan Rodriguez was in the Canseco's book and maybe in the Mitchell reports, um, you know, you, Jeff Bagwell was under some suspicion, although there was nothing there piazza roberto alomar there you know there's just there's been there's been nothing concrete but it's there it's really been a you know and mark mcguire has since dropped off the ballot and wasn't even on the last like old timers e veterans committee the era committees i think they do now they didn't even he didn't make the top 10 the last time uh which is it's just it's just interesting and everybody's got their own kind of their own little take on 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 peds and what this means and you know, we get a lot of interest with the Hall of Fame because in the old timers committee, Jim Cott from Zealand will be um, voted on next week, uh, late next week. So, um, but as a college baseball player, someone who played the game and everything, I was just curious about what your take is. Yeah, I mean, so those guys like the, the Sosa Bonds and, and all those guys, like they were, I mean, I remember watching them, but I was still pretty young at the time. Like I was like, you know, five to 10, like those are my first baseball memories. Um, I was still sure. pretty young. I am still pretty young. Um, but <laughs> that's um, right. You are. I mean, I don't know. To, to me, it's just like, all right. Yeah, sure. They were on the sauce. Like they absolutely were on the sauce. There's no, I mean, even though if, if it's not proven, like, you know, they were on the sauce, but so is everybody else, man. They're, they're doing this. It, 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 everybody's on the sauce. So all things are equal. They're doing, they're still doing incredible things, man. Let them in, let them in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I have gone, I used to be a hard no on it. And the thing that started me softening up on that, and I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it and that my my thoughts on it continue to change and evolve over the years, but the second Bud Selig made the Hall of Fame as commissioner. Oh, did he really? Yeah, he did. Yeah. That changed everything for me. He made it the same year as uh, within a couple years of all the managers and like Tony La Russa had Mark McGuire and Canseco on their team and you, you basically had the people, all the people who kind of, t- you know, turned a blind eye to it a lot. Yeah. Some of them made it, you know, and then you got like, like I was saying, you got some people who were suspected, but there's not any proof. You got somebody that first time this year, like Big Poppy, um, he had a test that was leaked, but it was before they implemented the new plan and he never failed once since. But there's been some speculation on the legitimacy of that. I mean, let's just say if you were playing baseball between like the mid nineties to the mid 2010s or 2000 before 2010, if you were playing professional baseball, you were on some sort of performing enhancing drug. Like there's just, I mean, if you got caught, if you were a no name player, if you were Barry Bonds, like it doesn't matter. You were probably on something. Right. Um, so like everybody was on it. Some people are just better athletes than the rest and can do the things even with steroids that others can't do with, with them. So like I say, right. you know, like I said, all things are level for the most part. Let them, I don't care how much steroids you're on, man. Hitting 700 or however many home runs Barry Bonds has, like that's absurd. I don't care. Well, I mean, and he had it at minimum, he had 450 home runs and 400 stolen bases before that started going and three yeah. MVPs. Yeah, before that started going and Clemens had three or four of his seven Cy Youngs at that point before that 
started. But it's just interesting because everybody has their different take on people, too, because of who they are. Barry Bonds is pretty grisly. Roger Clemens is pretty grisly. Yeah. Manny Ramirez has failed. He has 500 home runs, too, but he's failed two PED tests since it was implemented. Yeah. So that puts him in a little bit of a different light. A-Rod's admitted it. You know, you had the weird test with Big Poppy being the only evidence there. Gary Sheffield, like Bonds, admitted to, I think, using it, not knowing what it was. People think Sammy Sosa was only good because of the steroids. There's just so many, there's so many nooks and, and that's, crannies. That's an the, absurd take. Right. I mean, Sammy Sosa is only good because of steroids. Like, no, he was just right. a stud. Right. I mean, like, even if you take his home runs away, those, you know, if you turn them all into doubles because the ball went that much further, yeah, you still got a ton of doubles. And and that's it. You know, he's, you know, yeah, a good defender, too. Yeah. So I don't I don't really. Yeah, I don't really I don't really get that argument either, because it doesn't transform you into all of a sudden somebody who's good. Now, does it make does it make your you know, maybe your reflexes a little quicker, your eyesight? I don't even know what it does with eyesight, but you know, you're, it doesn't make you respond a little bit quicker because you're a little bit stronger. Sure. But to the level of a ball hitting a bat at a hundred miles an hour, yeah, it's not, I'm not really sure, you know, but like I said, I used to be a hard no on all and everybody. And I still, I mean, I'm evolving, but if I, I definitely feel like if I say yes to one, you have to say yes to all. Well, that's, that's my thought. I just, right. And so, um, I'm, I'm coming around on that. I really don't, um, I mean, except Manny, you're going to test positive twice. Once it's the big policy has been put into place. No. Um, <laughs> but that's cause you know, that's not the, that can't be blanketed in the time, whatever that's caught with the rules now and everything else. But, yeah. um, there's enough good players now that it just, what it does is it, what it's been doing is it clogs up the ballot too. Cause you got all these guys that keep getting the same amount of support. Um, and then they take up a lot of votes and then, you know, people aren't giving the the good looks to people that probably should have a better chance of making the hall of fame, like Scott Rowland or Andrew Jones, or, um, uh, check out Bobby Abreu's numbers. If anybody is, you know, a baseball person that's listening, because he's gotta be one of the most underrated players of all time. It's amazing yeah. what he did when we weren't really watching, <laughs> really weren't paying attention. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Last time on the writer's ballot, it was a shutout. Uh, Schilling got the most votes at 71%. You have to get 75%. He's back for his 10th year. I went from very supporting him to, I will not vote for him. Uh, you know, just based on his comments about lynching journalists and his support for the insurrection. Uh, I think that that, uh, I think his numbers will go down a little bit. I don't think they'll go down a ton, but I know that the Hall of Fame got calls from writers that wanted to unvote for him last year <laughs> after the insurrection because they didn't want him to be rewarded for supporting that. Um, so I'm guessing those writers won't vote for him this year. Um, but uh, it, that, that has nothing to do with him as a pitcher. Numbers-wise, he's a Hall of Famer. you know. But as a journalist, I'm not voting for somebody who says we should lynch journalists. Yeah, <laughs> that's, just, yeah. that's just not good policy. Um, voters so are writers so and voters are writers and journalists so i highly doubt he's gonna get much support now right i mean he he'll get better support in one of the committees down the road because there's a couple writers on there and it's broadcasters old players you know and stuff like that um but it's just just really interesting um uh, but i can't wait because he'll be off the ballot after this year and bonds and clemens and sosa so at least be able to stop talking about them for a couple of years yeah before they go on to the whatever committee and we'll be able to actually talk about 
stuff like how much really how much did Coors help Todd Helton and really how good of a defender was Andrew Jones and really why was Scott Rowland so underappreciated and you know stuff like that so it'll be interesting to see but people are like I was saying before people are grisly Big Poppy's not grisly I bet he gets elected everybody loves Big Poppy you know and and even A-Rod is making a little bit of a you know him being on TV he's uh a little more charismatic and bringing more popular uh, yeah, still positivity like to his image, I should say. People still don't like him, though. No, it's true. It's true. But it, it doesn't have, it's not a popular, I mean, it's the writer's, you know, pick. So, I mean, he's, it, it, I don't know. It's, this to me will decide whether or not some of these, this election specifically would decide whether some of these PED guys get in eventually. I, you know, I don't think they, I don't think they jump from, the same almost the same support they've gotten all these years and then the last year on the ballot i don't see everybody going ah you know what let's let bonds clemens sosa whoever else in you know i, I just don't see it jumping that much in one year yeah um but how big poppy and how a-rod do is going to be huge to down the road to see how they do but it's just it's just very interesting it's the last hopefully the last time we really have to talk about this in a big group because like i said they'll all be off the ballot and everything like that so um yeah. Yeah, just really, really interesting. But the the Golden Era Committee has Zealand native Jim Cott as a finalist, and they announced on December 5th. Um, and so he will be – he's on the ballot. I, I, he's got a decent shot. He missed by two votes the last time. Dick Allen and Tony Oliva, both his former teammates, missed by one vote last time. Maury Wills, who we faced in the 65 World Series, missed by three. And Minnie Minoso missed by four. So those guys all have a decent shot at making it. I hope they don't all skim all, you know, separate their own votes and not have enough for somebody to get in. Um, but it could be the year. Would love to see Jim Cott get in with his teammate, Tony Oliva, who uh, all cards on the table. I just uh, got his autograph with my dad uh, at, a sh- at a show in Chicago this weekend. So I'm extra pumped for him. Um, he's a good dude. Met him before. Um, I've, I've thought he's, I told him when I, I, the first time I met him was in 1999 and I told him he belonged in the hall of fame, 1999, and we're still here and he's missed by one vote the last time. So, uh, it's amazing. Uh, some of the weight that, you know, some of these guys have, so we'll see what happens, but, uh, yeah. Uh, enjoy your Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, we'll see what the lions do. We'll see what Michigan can muster against Ohio state. We'll see what Grand Valley can muster against Fair State, and we'll uh, break all that stuff down next week and start getting into uh, you know our basketball uh, preview coverage as well. So enjoy the weekend. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week.